0: i
2: there welcome to tell me tales thanks for tuning in again for another week uh, first up thanks to all the people who hit me up with some positive feedback about around the pat smith interview last week obviously a bit out of my depth in that um in that conversation a world that i'm not really used to and um yeah i think i said last week an in interview that i was a bit apprehensive to put out and not sure how some people would react to it but yeah really grateful for the people that took some time and uh, had some positive words to say about that so thank you very much this week's conversation is with our man Andy Ellison part 3 Andy and I kind of catch up pretty regularly just on the on the text and it's always uh, it's always good to touch base with people regularly but Sometimes on the text you don't get so many details and I like just getting on Skype with Andy once a month or once every six weeks and just seeing what he's up to and uh, he's been experiencing a few downs lately. He's uh, got a bit of stuff going on which he explains in this conversation and we read pretty similar books as well so it's always good to talk about some stuff we've learnt from some texts that we've been reading and yeah, just giving you guys the opportunity to be a fly on the wall. I always think I get off Skype with Andy and I've uh, learnt something about my life or learn something that i can enforce and probably gives me a good opportunity to check myself in a few ways and uh yeah i really hope you enjoy this chat uh, he gives his handles there if you want to outreach to him he's uh going through some stuff at the moment and i'm sure he'd appreciate your support but he's tough and he's learning and he'll come back a stronger man have a good christmas if i don't hear from you before thanks for tuning in again cheers guys Welcome to Tell Me Your Tales, uh, Andy Allison's back the third time in I think about 10 months. I didn't even know who you were this time last year, I was just thinking about that before we started recording and now we've had our uh, three podcast chats. How you going mate?
1: Yeah Brady, I'm really well, good to be back.
2: Good to be back, good to be back. What's been happening in the life of Andy Allison?
1: Oh, Well a little bit um as you know kick us off
2: i know little bits but i don't know i don't know at all and i wanted to talk to you and get you on the show again to yeah get deep and go through like all the all the bits and pieces all the all the nuts and bolts i guess
1: yeah okay well since we last chatted um i've been on and off again with the with the rehab getting different parts of my body right again and mainly mainly back issues have been like the the back spasms i had when i was in in uh, California and then we got that to settle back down and then I got about three or four weeks back into a a cycle and was running pretty well and thought I I might be able to have a crack at point of pinnacle so it was leading up just to that sort of uh, middle of November and then went from running a great session on the Saturday 28k on the Sunday feeling a million bucks and then recovery uh, Monday was great and then went out for a jog up to to Taruna on the Tuesday and then both uh, both the glutes started tightening up a little bit and I thought oh that's a that's a bit weird Uh, just a bit of delayed onset from the weekend perhaps and then I turned around at about 6k to come back home back down the hill and everything just started getting really bad and I was like shuffling and it, it I was a couple of k's from home so I had no choice but to to just jog home and by the time I got home, the the back on the left hand side this time had spazzed up so bad I, I could hardly walk. So, I spent the day on the couch on some Valium and and try to get that to settle back down and.
2: Have you had pain like that before, mate? Like, or is that something new for you?
1: No, that was that was similar to what I got in California, but this time it came on so suddenly, like, and it felt like out of nowhere. But in in ref, on reflection, you know, it didn't come out of nowhere. I. I I came back too quick. I upped the the Ks too much. I did. I turned all the wrong dials. Uh, When you listen to like Magnus and Marcus talking about and uh, that Mike Smith guy talking about only turning one dial at a time, I turned two or three of them, you know, intensity, um, speed, distance, everything just got turned up a bit too quick.
2: And that resistance with those hill reps and stuff, remember you were smashing those. I reckon they were some of the most impressive sessions I've ever seen you doing.
1: Mm, Yeah, yeah, and that felt that felt quite comfortable actually but then and I don't think that that was a session that did it but there was another one where I did one on the Saturday morning and I was a bit tired and it was a bit hot and windy and I was a bit cranky going into it and so I was a little bit I was a little bit stressed going into it and then the reps just didn't go well and then I compounded that with another long run on the Sunday and then had another big week of training and just trying to hit paces instead of instead of heart rate zones and that's what Through the back out but look I came back from that and I was I was back running we took it really cautiously this time had a bit of a change in philosophy with my running under a under a new coach and working with my strength coach and my physio and we realized that um stress levels and uh anticipation for me were a big part of my training load and so we were monitoring that daily on training peaks you know how was my sleep what my stress levels like that day? What was my injury feeling like? All that kind of stuff. And so we were taking a very cautious approach. I think I did 25 Ks in the first week back, you know, all really gentle stuff, heart rate based stuff. And then it was maybe 40 or 50 K the next week and 75 K the next week. But while I was doing all that, nothing felt great. You know, mm. I know, I know when you come back and you know, the first couple of weeks are always a little bit tough, but something just didn't feel right this time. Like the, it was just really hard work and there was no release. You know, a lot of us run for the joy of running and the, the headspace that it gives us when we're out there. And I haven't, I haven't had one of those runs for months now. You know, every day feels like a real battle. I sort of, I shuffle out the door and I feel a bit tight through the back and feel like I'm hitting the ground really hard and, heart rate's up and arousal levels are up, you know, it just none of it feels really good. And, yeah. Go back to yeah. that
2: mental stuff though, mate, because I know when people say, you know, you're monitoring stress, everyone just thinks, well, how hard you're pushing yourself in reps and what the times are like. But not many people would often, I don't know, you know, talking to Julian and Brad and three of us probably got better at it, like monitoring what else is happening in, happening in our lives before we worry about hitting the training schedule. But, yeah, that's that's new to me and it's, um, talk to me about training piece and how that all works on there.
1: Okay. So that came about from a chat with my physio, Matt Lancaster, who works with, um, has worked with a lot of Athletics Australia teams and worked with the GB teams at the Olympics as well. And he, I think one of the mornings that I'd seen him, he'd just got off the phone, uh, like a, a, a video chat and they were talking about stress levels in, in uh, male runners and and weight levels and things like that and uh, not eating disorders but you know guys not eating correctly and recovering properly and not sleeping properly and doing all those kind of things and they and Matt knows me very well and knows that you know I can be a fairly emotional sort of fella and he was thinking that these troughs that I seem to have seem to be related to to stress and worry uh, as long as with my physical health and how my running's going and so we were just trying to get a holistic view of not just how my injury felt or what load I was doing that day but did I sleep well that night did I am I waking up feeling fresh or am I feeling fatigued and so on training peaks it's a it's a really you just click on it it's a it's called metrics so you click on metrics and it gives you a drop down and you can input all these things really easily. It takes you about 30 seconds. So you, you bump in, you go, right, I had eight hours. Was that was that a good eight hours of sleep? Or was it an ordinary eight hours of sleep? So you can pop all that in. And so you're getting a really big view of, of what it was like. So sleep hours, sleep quality, fatigue, you know, comes from none to extreme. Um, soreness, once again, from none to extreme. And then your stress. And then you put down yesterday's training how how did that go was it is was it good was it average was it better than normal was it worse than normal and then you put down an overall feeling of how you're feeling that day so that could not be related to running at all but how's your mind today like are you worrying about work or are you worrying about you know relationships or things like that and then the last one is i think sickness so you're feeling healthy mm. so it goes from extremely sick to so within 30 seconds you can jot down and that graphs on your training peaks so, so that goes against your volume um, you know, your, uh, and where your fatigue levels are, you like your chronic fitness level against your acu- acute fitness level. And so we were using those metrics, um, so we can look at it and go, right, yeah, well, we're watching my acute training load going up and uh, measuring that against my chronic training load. And so as soon as my, uh, acute training load was getting above my chronic training load, so my, my general fitness uh, versus my fatigue, then we were going to either back off and not do a session if it was planned that day or not run at all, depending on wh- how, how fatigued that um, acute training load was.
2: Yeah, right. It's, um, it's interesting stuff, isn't it? Because like, it, it matters so much. I was just thinking about yesterday we had our last day of school and had the uh, end-of-year mass after school and then our award ceremony and just like this huge day at work. And then I wasn't working today, but just going to do my session, like you just could feel tired and like I got up at like 10 this morning like slept for about eight or nine hours like so sleep was a tick in the box but it felt like I was so um just busy like in good busy like I don't think I was stressed or anything just ticking things off getting there the end of school year but then my session just felt like just dull like it was a bit um I don't know just like uh, I can't really be bothered going to run some 66 67 400s and kind of warm I think once you warm up sometimes you get that feeling out of the way, but it can also be a bit deceiving because then you warm up and you kinda of click into gear and do the session, but then after the session you feel shocking again. So the warm up kind of prepares you for it. But you shouldn't probably be doing it in the first
1: place. Yeah, so you're having to get your arousal levels up to yeah. do the session. You yeah. know, that's what Sean Crichton was talking about, that he, he never had to do that. He never had to get himself, you know, pumped up for a session or use adrenaline in a session because adrenaline is very fatiguing as well. You know, if you're having to use that a couple of times a week in your sessions, then that's going to have an effect as well. But if you're having to get, you know, super aroused just to get the session up then, and if you're already tired, then that's going to, that's going to accumulate, isn't it?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. And what he said about like not um, doing races and stuff at the, no, doing the training at your race pace. Like I ran that last 400 at, that B-grade 5K in 61, 61.8, I clocked it at. There's no way I could run a 400. Like, I did reps today in 67, and I only did four of them, and they felt fast. And I reckon that adrenaline kicking in when you're racing, when you're trying to win a race, it um, just takes you to the next level. Yep. Yeah, it's unreal. Where do you find the time to kind of – um. I guess look at all that stuff though like you and your coach like I know finding the time to look at your splits and your training program sometimes really tricky and there's a lot of people who might just do you know three or four runs a week and definitely um, you know looking into their training is probably hard enough compared to actually looking into all their sleep and how they're feeling and fatigue and all that.
1: Yeah well like I said those um, metrics take 30 seconds to fill out you might do it when you're having breakfast or something instead of hopping on social media you pop into Training Peaks and you literally press one button and it takes 30 seconds. So there's no problem there. With the looking at monitoring the chronic and the acute training load, you get that on your Running Peaks front page, or your Training Peaks front page, sorry. So you pop it open and it says today the fitness. So it's saying this is the fitness that you have to use for today and um, it, it's measured there in a in a point value. So, you know, it might be 40 or 50. And then it's got your acute training load, which it's, it calculates all for you, and that might be at forty. And yeah, then it right. gives you a then it gives you a form depending on the differential between those two. It gives you a form rating. So what it what it means is that once you, when you're say at the moment, is because I've had you know, well, I've been off for a week now. We'll get into that in a second. Mm. So my form is at like plus thirteen at the moment. Yeah. So. That might sound good, but that actually means I'm starting to detrain when you're in a, a good training block you want to be you want to be negative you want to be sort of zero to minus fifteen or maybe even to minus twenty if you're in a really heavy block. And then what what happens then when you go into your your slight taper or whatever, that fatigue level drops really quick, like your acute training load drops really quick, whereas your fitness doesn't drop off that much. But your acute level will drop right down and your form will come up. And they say you want to be racing at around zero to plus five or something like that. That's where your form should be. So it calculates all that for you. So it doesn't really take any time because it's right in front of you. Yeah,
2: awesome. And it calculates all that stuff just going off your sleep and all that. Like it takes all that into account, not just what you're running.
1: We're mainly, mainly heart rate-based, so you've got to be using your heart rate monitor. So yeah. it's getting an accurate an accurate reading of where your health's at. So it measures everything. You know, you're, you're resting, your average heart rate and your maximums and all that kind of stuff. But it takes all those metrics and then it charts it. So my coach would look at it maybe once a week or if he knew he was monitoring me a little bit closely while we were coming back. So he was having a look most days and just going, right, yeah, well, that, that fatigue level, that acute training load is starting to creep up. So, you know, this is when we have a discussion, do we not do a session, but it didn't actually need to come to that because uh, I was doing doing the sessions. Yeah, so I was doing the, I I was in Adelaide for the Pacific School Games looking after the Tassie primary school kids and, you know, just super long days, uh, big long days on the feet, um, emotionally involved because you're, you know, you're looking after 50 primary school kids and and you know uh, looking after them all day and on your feet and so I was really careful about my load over there not trying to do too much so some days I couldn't even run there and then um, when I did do the sessions I was quite careful it was all zone based you know upper end of zone three into zone four so you know sort of a little bit hard but certainly not not that hard but when I was doing those it just nothing felt right like I was getting them done and but I felt heavy and I felt tight afterwards. Like as soon as I finished my session, I feel like a bit of a. Oh, geez, I feel like i had been hit by a truck again. Like I'd, I'd yeah, I would start walking like, and just burying yourself, I, kind of thing. Yeah, but not not not, not burying myself because the heart rates are all fairly controlled still. But the body just wasn't coping with it. You yeah, know, just
2: so you weren't burying been, yourself, but you felt like you'd buried yourself.
1: Oh, I just felt like I'd I'd been in a race or something, yeah, and right. uh, and. And I was just like, "Oh, jeez, that's not good and then and then sitting on you know it was it's two flights from Tassier to Adelaide, so you know four flights in in the space of five or six days, and you know not sleeping as well or and getting the as good quality food as I'm used to, and all those kind of things rating up, so I was very careful to manage all that and not try to do too much and got back and just went through my normal sessions and I'd booked in to see the GP just for a bit of a catch-up. She's a really great chick who worked in the Navy, so she's really pragmatic and really practical when looking at, you know, athletes and and lifestyle and all that kind of stuff. And we were there chatting about something else, just having a bit of a, a general chat. And she said, oh, how's your groin and your hip and all that? And I was like, well, it's still really sore, actually. This is like I've had this groin impingement near the psoas tendon there, and it's been going on since I was in Melbourne. And it was nothing that ever bothered me like when i used to see my osteo i'd just say oh my right side's a little bit tight still my range of motion was never that great on that right side and but there were other things going on so i didn't really think about it too much and then ever since i've been back here it's been quite sore and quite restrictive my range of motion on that side's not good and it wakes me up during the night and all that kind of stuff and i could be riding my bike along a road and i hit a bump and it'll it'll aggravate aggravate my groin again i was like Oh, so we were sitting there, and she's like, "Oh, well, let's have a look at it again, because that probably should have healed itself by now, considering the load I've been doing, which has been low, yeah, pretty uh, minimal, yeah, pretty minimal, and considering what I'm, you know, it's not even half of what I used to do, and and uh, I'd had plenty of times where I hadn't been running or doing anything, and I've been in the gym, and I've been having massage, doing all the all the normal one percenters, and." And she got me up on the table and she was like, yeah, that's, that range is pretty awful, to be honest. And, and I'm like, yeah, it's actually really sore still, just trying to bend my knee across my body or do simple things like that. And she said, oh, well, just humor me, let's get an MRI done, because we'd been talking about doing that for ages. And my strength coach and my masseuse had talked about, well, maybe you should have an MRI on that hip just to see what's going on. And my physio was pretty adamant. He was like, no, nah, it'll settle, it'll settle, and it just hadn't. And I'm not sure if he like he's super experienced but I'm just not sure if he just thought I was being a bit of a sook about it because <laughs> I had mentioned it a bit and you know I was just getting getting my work done still but it was still wasn't quite right so that was on the Tuesday went and had a x-ray x-ray done first of the hip and the back and then had my MRI done and they're not fine I don't know if you've had one of those before but
2: no nah, I never had one
1: oh, touch wood cool.
2: hopefully I don't don't have to get one
1: yeah, they're not fun. I mean, you, you get put in a little cocoon, basically, and you get tied in there. And I had my feet tied together and my legs out straight. And just being in that position alone was putting so much stress on my hip and groin. I was in quite a bit of pain from a couple of minutes in. But you're in this, like, little coffin. So if you're claustrophobic, you pretty much couldn't have one done because you are just wrapped in and you're totally um, undercover and you've got headphones on because it's super noisy, and they play some music, and the dude was pretty funny. He was like, oh, what do you want to listen to? And I was like, don't care, mate. So he put some Coldplay on or something like that, and he said, oh, you'll be about 10 or 15 minutes. And I'm like, rightio, I'll tune out, I'll do some mindful stuff in there, you know, trying to breathe deep and just get through it so I don't feel too claustrophobic. And I was counting the songs, and it was like two songs, three songs, and I'm like, whoa. Three songs, okay. It's, it should be about 10 15 minutes. But it do you think that's
2: it, you're meant to be relaxing, and doing some mindful stuff, and but then you're focusing on the songs and you know they go for four minutes each? And do you know what I mean? Oh, you think oh, you're all It's, already it's really hard that? to
1: be mindful in their manner. Yeah, I so can really, imagine. It's a, it's a pretty stressful little uh, um, thing to do because you, you are, I'm locked into this position where I can't move. Uh, it's very noisy, it's claustrophobic, and it was actually putting a heap of pain down my leg, like oh. from groin, quad, and. I couldn't really tap out. I had an emergency button that you can press, but I thought, oh, if I tap out, I'm just going to have to go back in again. Yeah, so yeah. i just waited out. And he said, he said 15 minutes, so three or four songs, I'll get it done. There was like four songs, five songs, six songs, seven songs, and I'm just thinking, oh, shit, what's going on?
2: Should have yelled out and told him to put on a podcast or
1: something. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I should have done that. Put on so Tell Me Tales. Yeah. Yeah, he finally pulled me out, and he goes, "Gee, sorry, mate. You're in there a while, and I'm like, Jesus. What's going on? He's Are you like, thinking the
2: machine's broken or something? You're like, shit, I'm stuck here. Uh, uh, I
1: knew something was wrong. Yeah. Because he's going, shit, you've got a bit going on. I'm like, oh, good. And he goes, you got some pain in your left side and your back as well. I'm like, oh, yeah, but the, the groin's the main thing giving me problem. He's like, yeah, right. Okay, well. Um, but this guy's not meant to be telling you this, is he? Isn't this like <laughs> meant to go to your GP? Yeah. So then he goes, hey, you want to you wanna hang around for a bit? And I'm like, oh, why is that? And he goes, oh, I reckon the specialist might want to have a chat here. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit.
2: Right? yeah.
1: Okay. goes, go wait in the waiting room. I'll send the doc out. So I wait out in there for 10 minutes. And he comes out, this big dude called Vinny, and he goes.
2: Never met him before?
1: No. Nah. He goes, go, mate. You want to come and have a chat? And I'm like, yeah. So he's all upbeat. Brings me back into this room. They've still got Coldplay banging on, like <laughs> super loud in there. And then this dude brings up all these MRI scans and there is just white stuff everywhere. And he's like, see all that white stuff? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, yeah, that's not good. (laughs) And I'm like, great. I'm like, okay. So I've got Coldplay banging in my ear. I've got this dude who's all excited from these scans. And he's like, there's so much stuff here, mate. This is amazing. And I'm like, and he goes, yeah, so we're looking over this. And, you know, you can see all these stress fractures here. And I'm like, what? Stresses. And I'm like, what? So it's like I'm in this really weird world, like loud music, strange dude getting excited and he's talking about stress fractures and I started just going a bit clammy because I was like, I've come in with a sore groin and now you're telling me stress fractures and and he's going, yeah, there's heaps of stuff going on. I said, mate, I just ran 17K this morning, like a session. He's like, what? (laughs) He's like, you're running? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, running a bit and he's like, dude you shouldn't be able to run he's like i'm impressed and i'm like oh, show me your training peaks what do you mean logging in for fatigue wells? <laughs> he's like oh you shouldn't be able to run mate he said right i'll show you why and he went through all these and he goes so i'm pretty confident you've got quite a number of stress fractures all over your sacral joint and through your back and your hips are a mess and but i want to just do a ct free of charge but you want to hang around we'll do a cat scan i'm like okay and he's all excited because he's got this new cat scan machine that's like the best in australia low dose radiation and he's like just want to confirm that they are fractures i'm like great let's do it go back in there and he's like yeah yeah pretty confident and he's like right so all right well good luck so he sends me off and uh, my GP was just meant to give me a call in the morning, just to have a quick chat about it. Uh, I've come back in. I had a pretty good idea that shit wasn't good. So mm. I went out and did my session that Thursday morning because I thought, oh, well, I'm pretty sore anyway. It's not going to get much worse. I might as well. I reckon I'm going to get canned from running for a while. So I went and did my last session.
2: I saw that, that, that on Strava. you like the last dance. The last dance. <laughs>
1: So I got through it okay. And, look to be honest, the groin wasn't really troubling me. I was a bit stiff but still still got my got my session done, came back home, and literally as I walked in the door, the phone was ringing, picked it up, and it was the GP, and but it wasn't the GP. It was just the reception. She's like, oh, um, the doctor would really like you to come in for a chat. And I'm like, ah, yeah, that's not good news. So I'm uh, um, said I can squeeze you in this morning so I went straight in I dropped everything had a quick shower and something to eat, went straight back in I was in there for about an hour talking about all the scans and got my wife texting me because I was in there for an hour she's going what's going on and I'm like oh it's not good and she's like what are you talking about and she thought I had cancer, so and because she know.
2: works in the medical practice as well, like she'd be yeah, yeah,
1: knowing the, exactly what's going, like going on in there too, and I was in there for an hour just at the g p she was freaking out, and I was like, "Oh no, sorry, didn't mean to alarm you, but it's not cancer, it just seems like everything else to be honest and um yeah so i've got I've got like cam disorders in both my hips, um which has these all these bumps on them, which isn't crazy. But, you know, it, it could have been something that happened when I was younger or going through puberty or I could have been born with it, but pretty much my hips don't work properly. And so they're grading every time I I move and then there's like a, a closing of the uh, the passage where it needs to flow. And so that's impinging and that's why I'm getting presenting with all that groin pain. So that, that's good. That makes sense. Um, and then I've got a PARS defect on the left hand side at L5S1. So... There's like these two plates that should be shifting together. Instead of them shifting together, they're broken at some stage. And this could have happened a while back. could have happened when I played soccer. Apparently, they see it in soccer players and and fast bowlers and things like that when the hip joint's moving around too much. So that means instead of them moving like on top of each other together as a unit, they move separately and bang against each other sometimes. And right in that point, there's these two, two nerve roots that run down my legs. So one down the outside and one down into my foot. And so that's, that explains where I get all that nerve pain and, and why the muscles all tighten up to try to protect it all the time. So, and they don't, it doesn't happen all the time. So that's why I'm running pain free on that left side. And then other times it's like, somebody's stuck a knife in my back so that explains that so that was pretty cool to get an explanation for that yeah and but then the the big one was that everybody was worried about were these two sacral fractures so somebody of my age and and weight and that kind of thing shouldn't be shouldn't be getting fractures in their in their sacrum so that's what everybody's been worried about so since then i've had uh i had oh first of all i was told to stop running for probably two months or so, um, I was to stop doing anything like minimal walking, um, not really allowed to ride my bike much um, for about three weeks just to have like a metabolic reset to let my body just try to recover from the, the stress of all this and and uh, then I was in with a sports doctor. So she was looking at everything so having a bit of a holistic view why why is a 38-year-old guy getting stress fractures there. Yeah.
2: So in your um, hips, is that what is the sacrum? That's where your hips
1: are. Oh, it's sort of in the in the in the back there. Sort of yeah. joins joins everything together, um, in the middle of your back there. So, yeah. um, and so they sent me off for a bone mineral density scan. So I had that maybe Tuesday night. So that was to uh, to measure the the density of the minerals and calcium in my bones to so check how strong my bones are. And I got the results for those straight away from the tech. She, like, said, oh, your hips are really good. So that was good. That's yeah, a, good. That was the first tick I've had. So the the hips aren't the big problem, it doesn't seem. But the reason I got these sacral fractures, my spine, all the bones in my spine from, oh, I think L1 down perhaps, um, are really, really bad. So I've got osteoporotic bones, so not quite osteoporosis, but pretty shit. So yeah, they, measure, right. they measure you against... People of your own age and similar height and weight, and where your bone density should be. So my hips were smack bang where they should be, and my um, and my my back was really really low. So not not as bad as in osteoporosis, which is just about incurable, but not not great. So
2: did they say? Did they give you like a, so many years behind expected where you're meant to be, or months, or like how do they?
1: Uh-huh. I haven't drilled into the details so far. They'll go to my sports doctor who I catch up with on the 5th and she'll be able to um, explain that fully. But it'll be basically I'm pretty sure I'll be on some infusions. So I'll have to have some drips put in and have some, um, some fluid or some strengthening agents put in. To, and that 'll probably be a regular thing for a little while, I think I have to get retested in maybe six or twelve months, but apparently, from anecdotal stuff that i 've heard people talk about that that can come back pretty quick yeah like you can, you can now that we know i they can medicate me for that, and they can get the strength of my my spine back up um, so that's I guess that 's good news so
2: yeah, there be people yelling at their phones now. Like this guy's a vegan; he's not getting enough calcium. That's why he's uh, that's why he's so got osteoporosis.
1: I said, oh no, this is this is nothing that's happened in the last six months. This has been there. This could have I could have been born with it. Um, you know, it could be hereditary. It's, it's certainly nothing to do with my diet. And she said, you know, you're when I was in the sports doc, she said, you know, your, your diet's fine. You probably, you know, more about your diet than. Most people that walk through the doors and you're, you're more in tune with what's going in your body. So she wasn't concerned about a vegan diet whatsoever. Um, this is something that's happened in the past. So
2: Yeah, well, you're looking, I've actually looked in this because my uh, mum's my just got osteoporosis and my grandmother as well. And when you look into it, it actually, the evidence about how um, some meats can impact calcium Intake is actually worse than not yep. having milk in the first place, like you can get calcium from other places and actually absorb it much better than having a uh, a meat based diet and then trying to also have the calcium through milk
1: yeah yeah, so that was kind of re- oh, not, not reassuring, but at least' it's, it's, there's not much I could have done to avoid what's happening to me now um, it's not because I was running too much, uh, but obviously by having that that weak bone density in my in my lower spine means that you know every time I hit the ground I was doing damage and and uh, and that's where those fractures have most likely come from. Um, so now we know that now I can you know hopefully get the the spinal all sorted out and and then I'm I'm in with a an orthopedic surgeon second week of Jan as well for a, an opinion about my hips whether I should have those operated on or not.
2: Yeah, right. So our conversation last time was like, I remember saying something like Andy Allison now knows more about himself, like he's identified these weaknesses, he's doing strength and conditioning (laughs) stuff, but these weaknesses have just blown up, like we've actually really dug deep into what they are, and this is like real serious stuff that now you know about that you can address.
1: Yeah which it, which is good in a way I mean it was a massive shock you know you go in having an MRI because you're presenting with groin pain and then to find out that your body's actually really sick you know pretty much was a was a real shock so um, trying to come to terms with that was really hard because um, it just it just blew me away I didn't realize that I'd been running with such a I, I mean I knew it was things were uncomfortable and I think one of the problems is is my pain threshold's just too high, you know, and I think that's worked against me. Uh, I think normal people in my position would have just stopped, you know, stopped running and stopped exercising and just gone, no, this is too hard and you know, I just seem to have just dug in and got through it and I guess when your back's been sore for so long, you just sort of put up with it and just figure, well, this is just a different level of pain. So It just
2: becomes a new normal for you. That your back's, yeah, yeah, right. your back's yeah. five out of ten, that's just normal because it's like every day of the week and, you, and it's that, you know, philosophy that you grind through it and everyone else is getting up early and grinding away and they've all got their own troubles, so why shouldn't I be doing the same thing?
1: Yeah, yeah, and you don't know what other people feel like, so you just assume this is what running feels like. It just, mm. it feels really hard, <laughs> but maybe it's not meant to be quite this hard.
2: Yeah, but it's good that you got onto it and you're just like, okay, this shouldn't feel like this. I've ran for long enough to know that this isn't what running feels like.
1: Yeah, it feels different. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. What about that whole, um, how are you coping with the whole medical system? I know when I've had issues in the past, it's one minute or nowhere near to the extent that you've just listed off, but you find yourself waiting in some of these waiting rooms and you're looking around just thinking, what What am I doing here? I'm fit as. Like, I banged out 17K this morning. And you're looking around yeah. the waiting rooms and you're waiting for your name to be called because, yeah, I've had that bone density scan before as well. And you're like, am I really sick? What, like, it's just a whole complete different world. And I think sometimes we live in our own circles and our own tribes, which we'll talk about later on, and we're not really sure what other people are going through until you enter that medical world.
1: Yeah, Yeah, well, yeah. When I presented to the sports doc, she hadn't met me before, and she was really shocked as well. She can see, she said, I can see how nobody picked the sacral fractures because you present really healthily. You know, you, I mean, I I was walking pretty well that day. It was funny. It was so ironic. The, the day that I had the scans was the best I felt in months. (laughs) You know, I felt like, oh, maybe I've turned the corner. Maybe I'm starting to adapt, and it's not going to hurt quite as much. And then you find out that, oh, no, actually, your, your back's pretty. Yeah, pretty, pretty stuffed. Um, and you're going to have a quite a couple of months off, but yeah, it was a bit of a shock being, um, being I've been in so many doctor's appointments over the last week and a half, you know, more than I would normally have in a, in a lifetime, I think. And yeah, it's not a whole lot of fun being on that side of it, but I think I'm coming to terms with it now. I was really upset that thursday like i just sat in the car and had a bit of a cry because i was like uh and not the fact that i I knew i wasn't going to run for a while that wasn't it it was the fact that my body's been such a mess and i either haven't been in tune with it enough or you know i've just put up with it and you know it's just that being 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 it's like i'm not physically sick but my body is and and that was a real shock to me because i try to look after myself so well and it's like i've let myself down
2: yeah, but you haven't though, like it's, it's hard kind of headspace to be in thinking that you've let yourself down when really you've had all these issues going on and it's just now about addressing them.
1: Yep, yep. So now we've got to, and I'm, I'm so lucky, I've got so many great people around me down here, like the on the Friday my physio Matt, called me up and just, he had I, I'd sent him the report and he just broke it all down for me. He said, look, you can ignore half of this. You know, because the, the the report went over three pages, like it was huge, like and it was it was just soul destroying to read so much going wrong with me. But he broke it down. He's like, you don't need to worry about so many of these things. They've been there since you were born, probably, or since you're in puberty. So you can manage those and you put up with them for now, and you you can get through. And you've still been able to achieve stuff. So don't even think about it. The only thing he was worried about again was the sacral fractures. he's like, we're just got to let those rest, find out why they happened and then the other stuff we'll take care of as we need to.
2: Back to the puberty thing, I remember my GP asked a lot of questions about like, were you small during secondary school and did you go through puberty late and all those kind of things? Like did your yep. GP, yeah, because I know like I was, I went to a secondary school with probably 200 kids each year level and I remember being the second smallest kid and I remember, yeah, I didn't hit puberty like wow. Like I, yeah, yeah, seven, eight, nine, I was still this little guy who looked like he should have been in grade six.
1: Yeah, I was pretty tiny up until about grade 10. I mean, I'm not big now, but, you know, I had a big growth spurt in grade, late grade 10, I think. I was pretty small. I was smaller than all my sisters until I was in about grade 10, and now, you know, they come up to my shoulder, so... Um, yeah there could have it could have been that but it could have been a hormonal thing i mean they're checking for that all with my bloods and everything it could have been a thyroid issue or something like that but i think that's pretty i think we've checked that earlier in the year when i had all my bloods done regularly um, that there was there were no hormonal issues there at all so
2: thyroid meds could be like nike project am yeah,
1: te- yeah i reckon i'm going to be all good i reckon i've got a thyroid issue yeah, 100% yeah, yeah, yeah. and asthma <laughs> and asthma <laughs>
2: what a, what else take the box <laughs> Yeah. Um, what about your headspace through all this, though? Like, that must have been... And I know you said before you didn't mind that you couldn't run. I don't know if that was me, though. Like, running such a huge part of our lives, and it's just... I don't know. It's got to keep us sane, in a way. Maybe because you've come from the, the bike background as well. Like, you know you can jump on the bike and get that same release. But not being able to run, maybe not so much competing, but just not being able to go for jogs every day would really change my outlook on life.
1: Oh, no, that scares the hell out of me as well, but... The the main the main emotion was was not about the running. It was just that my body's not right and you know, I could be sick. Like when they started talking about having osteoporosis, which is pretty incurable at thirty eight and I thought I was healthy and that that, that's what started freaking me out a bit. Not the Mm -hmm. fact that I wasn't gonna be able to run again. I mean, yeah, it, it it scares me to think about it, but there from what everybody I've talked to, um all the health professionals, nobody's ruled it out yet. Nobody's ruled it out not being able to come back to running, but at this stage, I, I still don't know, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I do have the bike that I can fall back on. And I've been doing yoga. So they told me I'm allowed to do yoga. That's about the only physical activity. So I've just thrown myself into that. I've done three sessions of that since I've, I've got the diagnosis. So I'll do that. I'll keep doing my headspace stuff. Um, I'm allowed to really gently ride to work as long as I don't get my heart rate up at all. Um, I'll, I'm allowed to do that a couple of times a week. I'm not really allowed to walk which is a bit of a bugger so I'm not allowed to walk my dog or anything like that because they just want me to rest up my feet and and then in the new year I'm allowed to start swimming so I've got another mate who's a little bit injured at the moment so we'll go jump in the pool and cut some laps and then there's a big riding community down here a lot of my mates ride anyway so I'll reluctantly get back on the bike um, for a little bit as well and do some cross training so you know I'll, I'll get through the next couple of months and then I'll see how we are, and then so,
2: they scan again. Like they go, up yeah. I'll
1: do another. I'll do another CT in about six weeks, and see how the see how the fractures have healed up.
2: See how it's mended. Hey, uh, you just brought up a good thing then about the community, and I wanted to talk to you because last time we spoke, we talk about talked about reading um, Sebastian Junger's book about tribes, and it's. It's kind of tick and boxes a bit what you're talking about, about having people close to you who have the same views and can band around together to help the common good a bit. You enjoy that book?
1: Yeah, it was good. It was a bit short. Um, like it was more like an essay, wasn't it? It was only 130-odd pages or something. But, and I was reading a little bit more about it today um, and some guy was talking about it, how he loved all the concept, concepts of it but he, he wanted him to go on. Like he, it was like he, he started – you know, really delving into it and then just cut it off. So I, I found it really interesting. But, yeah, I'd love to know more about it, to be honest.
2: Same same here. I listen to two of his podcasts with Joe Rogan, and I'm not sure yeah. if you listen to any of Joe's podcasts, but they go for like two, three hours. And then hearing those two interviews that went for, you know, four or five hours in in length and then reading the book, I felt like I'd already read the book just because he speaks anecdotally about all the stuff that's already in the book. And, yeah, 130 pages, pretty big text. I picked it up last saturday and i think i finished it in kind of three sit- sittings it was pretty uh, pretty easy to finish off
1: yeah but what he what he's talking about is quite interesting isn't it and we were texting about this earlier today about about tribes and smaller communities and and belonging and things like that and now i don't know if it was in the book or if it was on one of the podcasts he did but he talked about you know how anonymous so many of us are in bigger cities and how you know he was talking about the simple things about like uh cutting people off in traffic and and you know not respecting other people because you don't have to because you're anonymous and you know so people live in their own little worlds and you can go through your whole day without actually having to communicate fully with people or you know because we don't talk to our neighbors so much anymore because we have our jobs and now we all commute in cars or however we get to work and we have social media, so we're communicating that way. You know, we don't spend as much time together anymore and we're we're not as, you know, directly, uh, you know, related to our community. And he was saying how that's a bit of a problem in society now.
2: Yeah, massive problem. And He kind of said that you could be living in a town of like, or a city of like 15, 20 million people, like some of those big cities in the United States and literally have... Um, no con- deep conversations with people during the day or not feel like you're contributing to a community at all. And it made me feel uh, so lucky that I'll live in a small town and that you have you know the parkrun Run community or the triathlon community or the community living in respite community that would raise money for and like just these little hubs that are so easier to develop when you're living in small towns.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, you are living, you've still got it. You are still living in a tribe, aren't you?
2: Yeah, in a way. Like, yeah, shooting my own was about 20,000, but I think that's what, after reading the book, I was just kind of ticking things off in my brain thinking, yeah, this is what I get my kicks out of in a way, and i would never been able to explain it before, like banding together to you know, do something for the common good rather than yourself. Whereas if you're in a big city, and there are, you know, community groups and stuff in big cities, don't get me wrong. And I think people are doing some amazing things in big cities, but it's so much, there's so many people in big cities not involved at all in a tribe in, in any way.
1: Yeah, and you can you can go through your whole life. You know, you can go through every day without having to be accountable to anybody. Whereas, you know, there are consequences. And that's what he talked about with the tribes, didn't he? He talked about how there were consequences when we lived in tribes because you know everybody was about the common good if they were hunter gatherers and that to go out and you know you had your your hunters and then you had your gatherers and so the people who were going and getting food or the people who were hunting animals and bringing back food it was for everyone because everybody had a role and if you if you did something or you say you stole something from your tribe there would be dire consequences it was either you know you were you were kicked out of the tribe or you, you were done you were killed you were, you sure were they, they killed you exactly right and and it showed that everybody just respected everybody more though because they all played a role in society in their own in their own tribe and now we we don't have to you know you can you can drive to work and it, like that point about cutting people off in traffic you know something that moose on the loose would probably get stuck into i reckon if you had to commute in traffic that you know people cut people off all the time and Talk on phones because there's nobody there to tell them not to, you know. And if you cut me off in traffic and you know pull out in front of me, and you can just drive off because we're never going to have an interaction, so it doesn't matter if you piss somebody else, else off.
2: And he kind of said as well, like this is what really stood out to me that the more we've spent living life like this as a society, the higher all our mental illness has got. Like it's just we weren't designed to live the way a lot of people are living at the moment.
1: Yeah, that was his uh when he was talking about the American Indians or the Native Americans, wasn't he? Yeah. How like uh what was it? The seventeenth? Like around the seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth century, like when they they would go into these tribes, like they'd be they'd be kidnapped and then when they were able to be returned to their normal like white settlements, that nobody wanted to go. Yeah, they
2: were. Nobody uh, wanted to far leave out. these tribes. We'll just tribes live here, yeah. They,
1: exactly right, because they they appreciated being you know, they were they were they were in the community and they were they were needed and they they felt like they had purpose whereas in our life you know you can you can go through life without having to be reliant on anybody else or being responsible to anybody else so i think that's why you do so well with all all your community stuff and you know that's why i'm trying to do more of that like going away with the the tassie team to the to psgs you know that's totally voluntary we don't get paid for it you know and Every other state there are, are being uh, manned by teachers who are getting paid for it, and a, a lot of the levies that we pay are to bring in relief teachers, you know, to to cover the the uh, the, the teachers who are looking after these other kids. Whereas the Tassie is all just um just people who love the sport and love giving a little bit back, and so we're all on volunteer base. And you know, the, it was just great being able to give something back and be be responsible and and you know doing something for someone else. Yeah.
2: But even just coming on this podcast, mate, like you've given up about five hours after this chat tonight just to volunteer <laughs> your time, just to have a chat. And, you know, a couple of thousand people are going to download. It. It's going to get, get them through their Sunday long run, hopefully this week. And it just, I don't know, it just makes sense. Like it's not rocket science. And one of the main points that I found as well that um, oh, when they were kind of talking about people wanting to return to war. So these vets would come back yeah. from, from war and they're like, they come back and they, you know post-traumatic, what's it called? Stress disorder. Yeah, stress disorder. PTSD. uh, Would go Mm -hmm. through the roof. And then a lot of them would say, like, they were happiest when they were at war, sleeping, you know, body to body and being alert because they had a role and they had a purpose in their life. And now they come back and, you know, they might finish off in the army and they're 32 and they've still got, you know, 50 years ahead of them to live if they live to 80. And then it's like... Your purpose is gone. You do not have a purpose throughout your life, and it's just you want to be back in that environment where the war's happening, and um, you've got, yeah, a tribe to protect.
1: Yeah, they were saying um, that the the people who were recovering quickest from that, because they, they, they're saying there's two forms of PTSD, there's short-term and long-term, which is chronic. So short-term is like the guys who are actually on the front line in actual combat and seeing death and all that kind of stuff, they were the people who were bouncing back quicker. It was really odd because they had their little tribes, I guess, and their groups' uh, support around them, and the the people who were who were not on the front lines were the people most affected because they would just come home and people would go, "Oh well, you went on the front line, what did you see? you know just get on with it you know and so they weren 't feeling valued and they they 'd come back into life in America and that 's what they're saying it 's in America that the, the highest rates of this are because they just don 't have a, a system. To infiltrate these people back into regular everyday life, and you know they can't—they um, can't get over it. They, well, they can't give, give, they,
2: them, give them a pension, and it's like, yeah, you're set for yeah. life. You're on this, yeah, army pension. Thanks for representing the country. Cheers. But what they want is to be back and having responsibility and, and fighting for the tribe in some way.
1: And they, they want purpose. And it was that goes back to that other book that we were talking about—the blue zones—and um, yeah, all these true. the longevity of people. Um, because they had purpose in their life, you know, even though they were 100 years old, they still had to get up and they would help, you know, with breakfast for their family or they'd look after their great-grandchildren or they'd have their social groups that they'd go and meet for a drink or a walk and we all need purpose, don't we?
2: Yeah, 100%. What about that stuff about nine eleven? Like how the mental illness and stuff dropped after nine eleven because the United States kind of had to band together because it was us against them now not of us all on their kind of um well not all of them on their same same road going forward or different roads going forward
1: yeah but that's um that's pretty sad isn't it that we have to rely on on war to to bring us together
2: yeah rely on like a massive uh attack on your country to realize how good your country is and you should be working together I heard um an interesting podcast today when I was warming up and warming down. I was listening to Joe Rogan podcast and they were talking about would um world peace like ever would it ever happen? And they were kind of saying the only way for it to ever happen would be if we were invaded by like aliens or something because everyone would just be like, right, doesn't matter what country you're from, we're all together, we're team earth now and we're going to be together. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, you're probably right. Like it's you see it when, you know, countries have natural disasters and he spoke about that in the book as well like people just come together and you know you don't mind if someone cuts you off in traffic if you've just experienced a massive catastrophe in your hometown because like it's all right mate i understand it let's just roll r- with it we're all on the yeah. same team here you're letting people in at the supermarket yeah. like all those yeah. little things are just uh, not worth getting worked up for because you've experienced some major major troubles Oh, yeah, it's an interesting one. Good book though, I recommend it. Like i I love easy reads, like so if I can drop in a couple of days, it just makes uh the page turn a whole lot better.
1: Yeah, would have liked to have been a bit longer, but yeah, that's my only criticism yeah. of it. Absolutely. Yeah, hundred
2: percent. Mind you this But I've a...
1: heard I've heard him um talk on a few podcasts and he's great to listen to as well. Yeah. He is, yeah. I mean, was it him that has uh, did we talk about him last time about how he doesn 't have a cell phone or doesn 't have a smartphone
2: no i didn't i don 't think we spoke about it, but yeah, he definitely started that podcast talking about how he still got the old flip phone it's like I take calls and text messages, and that 's it
1: yeah, because he doesn 't want to be able to be you know contacted twenty four mm. seven or be involved or and he, he was talking about he's talking about bullying in school and the because they were talking about the rates of um, Anxiety in in adolescence now, and how how it's just skyrocketing. And he was saying he attributes it, attributes it to social media or smartphones because he, he used the example. I think he's in his fifties. When he was at primary school or high school or the equivalent, there, say if he was getting bullied that day, then he could he'd go home at three o'clock and there were no phones there were no smartphones, there was no internet, there were no Facebook sites, there were nothing like that. So he couldn't get bullied from 3pm that afternoon once he was home until 8 or 9am the next day. So he had, you know, 12 or 15 hours where nobody could touch him. And so, you know, whereas constantly now, kids can get bullied twenty four seven. And so... You know, that they, he reckons that's a massive cause of the the anxiety in, um, in adolescence now.
2: Yeah, it's even, I, I'm not getting bullied online or anything like that, but I sometimes find myself, I'll wake up at two or three o'clock in the morning, we don't have a clock in our bedroom, like we've made the effort to have no clocks and no lights and all those kind of things, but I'll roll over and just go, oh, I'll just check my phone, if I've got to get up in 20 minutes or five hours, what is it? And then notifications will pop up and then you're like half aware like, and you're just like, I don't want to read this. I just want to see the time but you just see your phone's loaded with all these notifications. I've got a, yeah, I've got most of them turned off but, facebook messenger that's probably the next one i've got to get rid of just to make sure because then you're trying to get back to sleep and you're like oh what did brad say to julian at nine fifty last night when i was asleep at 9 then you've missed it and yeah it's a strange little little thing how it can impact you even you know it's all positive stuff that people are talking about as i said not getting bullied but it's still having an impact on your headspace in one way or another
1: i oh, totally it's controlling it isn't it there's plenty of other things you could be doing isn't there yeah, I reckon that's the
2: way. We're all going to go back to the old flip phones and just, yeah. I don't know. Is it going to happen? The
1: um, well, Smart I've people a, will. Yep. I've got a mate who is going in between at the moment. He's a, he's a pretty interesting fellow, Gator. Um, he's he's bought a like a brick phone, just a, a standard phone, talk and, talk and text, and he keeps going in and out. So he's not quite sure because he runs his own business and so – it's quite challenging you know in some respects he needs he needs some of the convenience that we the smartphones can bring, but then you get you just fall back into the trap of getting stuck into social media and and wasting time on there and so you know do we just take the good out of it and can we just take the good out of it and and ignore the rest and leave it there or or our behaviors so that we just We can't, we can't avoid it. You know, we can't help opening that app and scrolling and refreshing and seeing if anything's changed, you know, is it just part of us now?
2: And the longer we do it, the more it's going to be part of us. Yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's a hard road back to, because I just think of like, you know, Strava's on my phone and Instagram and like emails and like, it's all there. Like if I was just go back to talk and text, it's like, I just have to walk around with my laptop or something, maybe.
1: Yeah. Well, you could do it. Yeah. couldn't you you could you yeah could i definitely do could
2: do it i think actually being on school holidays now is a good time to try it's like all right, no one's ringing you for work like that's probably the most urgent stuff if anyone's going to call it's work stuff everything else can probably just go go by like if i miss a text message or miss a facebook notification it doesn't really matter
1: yeah but then you're coming up to race weekend and you know this is this is when i mean most of the stuff you do or oh, nearly everything you do is positive but you know there's still a, a negative connotation to it isn't it you that you're you're losing so much of your day by by being on these sites but you're coming up to a race and you want to have that positivity around you don't you you want to you want these messages from from your mates and people like that wishing you luck for the race or if you have a good one on saturday night you know you want The congratulations and all that kind of stuff so and
2: scrolling through like the live feed like comments and stuff that's i remember doing that before i left melbourne like warmed down watched the a grade race got back to my car and i'm like all right i'm gonna drive for the next three hours i don't want to do this when i get home at 2am i'm just gonna you know this is gonna be my endorphin hit again to see what people are saying and what kind of rubbish people are talking um to get me home and yeah yeah you're right like a lot of that positive stuff can build you up
1: Shouldn't we have some of that in our life as well, though? You know, I mean, you know, because we live in, like, you live in your community, but not all your mates are in your community, aren't they? You've got so many friends and, and, and things like that who are not within touching distance. And so you can't have those regular catch ups that you, you could. And so social media is a way for doing that. But, you know, do we just have to have it in doses? Is that the answer? And are we, are we responsible enough to, to do that? I mean, I know we've, you know, I've talked about this a few times. I mean, I get caught into the trap. I mean, sometimes I'm really good and I leave my phone in the bedroom at night and, and don't go to it other times. So sometimes I do that and then somebody will try to call me and it's something urgent and I go in there and I've missed it. And, you know, you're just like, oh, I should have had my phone on me. But then, you know, I I don't want to be sitting there scrolling on my phone all night and, Yeah.
2: I reckon it all depends who you're communicating with a bit as well. Like I got one mate, Zach and Newman. Like I'm in a Facebook, just a message with him. I don't think I've even got his mobile, but we can write a message and then he won't write back for three days. And I'm just like, I don't care about this. Like he doesn't care, I don't care. As long as we get back to each other, it's all good. Whereas yep. other people, I'm like, right, I've seen that they've seen this. Why aren't they writing back to me? It's kind of depends yeah. on how <laughs> high maintenance the person you is you're contacting and how urgent it is as well. Like Zach and I just. Chill, chill and just talking about random stuff and whereas some people you need to get back to and quit because it's a matter of urgency
1: well <laughs> it made me think of something um that i watched on netflix the other day um jad apatow the guy who writes all those and makes all those movies like 40 year old virgin and all those kind of things he's back doing did a stand-up gig he's quite a funny dude and he's married to amy mann i think is it anyway the 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 blonde woman in that film who's so she's in all his films and so are his kids. So he lives at home with two daughters and his wife. And he was talking about how weird social media is now, that he's like young daughter. She maybe be 13 and she sits on her phone all day taking selfies and sending it to people. And he's like, what are you doing that for? And she's like, oh, I'm just sending them pictures. And he's like, do you know how weird that is? And she's like, it's not weird at all. And he's like, okay, when I was a kid, Say if I was twelve or thirteen years old, I took a photo of myself and then sent it in the mail to a friend. And then the friend goes to the mail and opens up a letter, and it's a picture of me there. <laughs> the friend would be like, "Dude, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, Why are you sending me, me a picture of yourself?" But you know, it's all part of part of modern life, isn't it? That you know, the if you and if you break it down into everything we do, like you just you wouldn't be sending, you know, five sentence. Uh, messages or letters to people all the time but it's just how we communicate now
2: well that kid never knows the world about the internet that's a scary thing like yeah yeah that, this is that's normal for her she's like yeah as you said 12 or 13 or whatever and it's just like yeah you just send pictures to people it's uh <laughs> can you remember when the internet came out yes okay were you uh, i remember logging I was, on
1: i was in college and we were creating a website and we were trying to log on. It was it was crazy. But we were creating buttons and things that you could click on. And yeah, that was in grade eleven or yeah maybe grade eleven or grade twelve. So about ninety ninety four, I think. Yeah, right. I but, can't like, remember. We didn't, have, we didn't have access to it straight away. That was just at like school on some of the computers you could get onto it. Yeah. And it was pretty much just to send emails and things like that. Like you couldn't do much else.
2: Yeah, but you'd get, like, a reply on the email slower than you would, like, a letter in the post. It just, like, wasn't, wasn't efficient at all at the start there.
1: But I wouldn't have had a phone then either. I don't think I got my first phone until I was maybe 20, 21.
2: Well, the big move was when smartphones came out. Like, I remember being at uni, must have been, like, 2006, and we all had phones but not smartphones. So we used to go to the computer lab to check, like, MySpace and Facebook and that. (laughs) <laughs> and, you, and you'd all log in and like there'd be four or five of us boys would have like a, I don't know, a free period or whatever it was at uni and it's always like, oh, how many notifications you got? Yeah, I've got four friend requests, i got this, i got that, like it, and because you wouldn't check it until like, you might get home that night and get on the home computer, but yeah, you just had the phone, it was all text messages. And it used to be kind of cool, exciting, like something could happen on Facebook and you wouldn't know about it for 24 hours later.
1: Yeah, but seriously, how bad's Facebook?
2: Yeah, well, just that, yeah. Benny made me delete the app the other day when he was around. Did he? But I re-downloaded it. hope he doesn't listen to this because I'm like, yeah. A couple of days oh, later, I'm like, I'm just... But they'll re-download it and I don't he's do just, anything it. on it. Like, I just scroll through random stuff. It's shocking.
1: Uh, he's out and about on the internet now, I'm so gonna, he's just, just giving me some again kudos. Again. He's oh. just giving me some kudos on Strava, so... He's out and about.
2: Jeez, he's got a big race coming up this weekend at Park Run. We're going hard. We're going Brad Croker style, treating Park Run as like A-grade, like 5K races. Elite,
1: elite Elite Park Running. Elite 5K, yeah. What's what's Benny going to run on Saturday?
2: He'll run, I reckon he'll run 18.51. Trying to get him under, when I first met him at the start of the year and he just wanted to go under 20 for 5K and jeez, he's come on, he's come on well.
1: Yes. Yeah. Are you going to be there with him or are you? No, I'm going to July no, you'll tomorrow, be...
2: so I'm going to go July oh, okay. tomorrow so I don't have to drive on race day just to chill out down there. Just got a little Airbnb, catch up with a mate, um, run with the boys on Sunday morning after the race, which should be good. Julian's trying to get a big group together, so, yeah, looking forward to it. Should oh, that right.
1: should be a great weekend. Yeah, yeah. would have loved to
2: have been there. The meat sounds good. They're doing some good stuff. Hopefully get some good weather. I think it's meant to be all right, and, yeah. Go from there. I'm a bit I'm yeah, not sure how this old uh it should be good. It should be good. This three lap money thing could be could be interesting, but yeah. Don't fall for it. I know, I'm not falling for it. You've heard it here first. I'm gonna put this show out tonight so people can hear this before Saturday night. But um no. I wanna almost run it similar to to what I did at uh State five K champs, like you know, do some work if we have to to run some seventy twos and keep it Just three to get minute place. Yeah. Yep yeah if so, yeah if it's my turn to take the lead for three laps I'm more than happy to do it, but um, yeah, I'm not doing anything crazy, and then hopefully I can as Brad said, like yeah, if I can go through nine k at twenty seven dead and then run the last k in two fifty five job done sub thirty guy, hopefully, but yeah, track ten ks are hard you ran many of them
1: never run one
2: yeah it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mind thing, I think you just gotta not look at the lap count, I reckon for like the first fifteen laps and just just getting a good pack and just yeah, tick them off.
1: Oh, I think you'll be fine. I reckon with the buzz down there and knowing that it's a live stream and just how strong you are at the moment, I think you'll be you'll be fine. You just need to yeah, just tick it off. Don't even just do like what Stewie and Pat did the other night. Just get through it and then and then just let it let it rip. Then race it.
2: Yeah, I reckon that could be the case. Like I think it will be one in maybe like twenty nine forty five, twenty nine fifty. So hopefully I'm hanging around with a sniff.
1: Yeah, Which, I've got no doubt.
2: It should be good. What's well, time for Christmas, mate, before I leave you?
1: Oh, we're, we're here. First um, First Christmas in our, in our new house, which should be great. So um, I'll be on the pans for, for Christmas Day. We've got uh, my wife's parents coming down, so they'll stay just down the road. There's a motel just um, just a couple of hundred metres down the road, and we've got her younger sister and fiancé coming over from Melbourne, and they'll be staying with us. So, yeah, it'll be nice. It'll just be just in the one house. We'll be out for a... A walk on the beach with the dog and, uh, and then, uh, a nice lunch, a vegan lunch. So that'll be good. And then we'll have some wine and some beer and probably watch a movie or two. And then, yeah, that's it. I think the, I think we'll, <laughs> Boxing Day will be pretty relaxed as well because it's just us down here. We'll either go down to the Taste Festival or we'll go down to the Hill and there's like a, a guy called Willie Smith who has this cool, Um, apple cider joint they have like live music and all that kind of stuff there so we might go for a a drive down there on boxing day but no it'll be pretty relaxed I mean there's no not a lot of stress because I haven't got to try to fit in training because I'm not allowed to train so (laughs) you know there won't be that side of it I can have a couple of drinks and not worry about it too much
2: that is a big stress trying to get through I think that's why I wanted to do that on the training talk on inside running the other week like how do you manage it because I reckon some people get a bit ocd trying to do all the heavy training and all the social stuff and you just burn yourself out
1: yeah i was i was training the house down this time last year i was doing so much yeah i think i did a i think i did maybe 28 30k on the um on the christmas eve and then a couple of runs on christmas day as well and it was just yeah so none of that this year
2: yeah i remember doing yeah 30k on christmas morning last year and then you just cooked for the whole day and like everyone's like why aren't you giving us anything you're like oh i ran 30k this morning like and you just treat the people you love on christmas day with no energy because you have already spent it out on the trails
1: yeah well yeah that'll that'll be nice so that's one of the positives i guess that i can i can devote myself more to that and and just be a little bit more relaxed you know i haven't got any races coming up that i'm preparing for or worrying about i'll I might do some yoga. I think the the yoga studio is doing some yoga on the Boxing Day, so I might go in and do that, and then sit down and watch the cricket, and you know, just embrace, you know, having having a bit of time off. And yeah, that's the only way I can look at it because there's there's no point thinking about, you know, what's been taken away from me. I've just got to think about the positive stuff, and if I get all this sorted, then you know, I'm going to come back a a much better runner because I've been running around with a broken back and all kinds of funky stuff going on for who god knows how long now so yeah and still
2: around two pbs
1: didn't you three pbs three pbs
2: what 5k 10k half marathon yep how's that the highs and lows of 2017 for you
1: yeah what a mess
2: oh, yeah you <laughs> look at those scans when you <laughs> sent a three-minute text message i was like whoa this isn't just like one stressy that's uh that's huge and then you chuck that in with three pbs
1: <laughs> what can you,
2: what can you do when you're uh healthy
1: yeah, uh yeah. I mean that that Gold Coast one, I don't know. Yeah, looking back, I don't know how I did that.
2: 21 oh, K on the road.
1: It's yeah, like, I thought it hurt a bit. <laughs> oh,
2: hard, hard stuff.
1: <laughs> no wonder I can no, right. walk for a week.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's it. Hey, can you leave the listeners with something? What other books you read and podcasts you listen to? Oh Docos. What was that doco you mentioned before? Is it worth checking out? Which one? The, the comedian J- Jade Oh Judd appetite yeah, that's
1: not too bad. That's not too bad. Yeah, if you want something a bit lighter. Yeah, Judd Apatow, he's pretty good. Um, main podcast, oh, Lance Armstrong's loving it. Um, uh, I, haven't uh,
2: got, I haven't got onto it yet. I heard him on Rich Roll and then I uh, yeah was meaning to check his one out. Trials, is it called Trials? Stage,
1: Stages. Uh, no, no, Stages is his one that he does for the tour. The Forward is his forward. own podcast. That's right, yeah. Great listening, man. Like, he is he's so open and honest like he's he's arrogant but you know he's also he's so honest now and you know he talks about the shit that he's done and he talks uh, he talks so openly and honestly about it now and and he owns up for his all, all his mistakes and everything and he's just a really he has he gets some interesting people on and he's just so candid and natural and relaxed i really enjoy it like it's just a yeah it's just a, a just something that I don't have to like. There's a lot of other intense podcasts that I listen to, but he's one I just love having on when I'm cooking and and things like that. And yeah, so yeah, yeah cool. And he
2: has, has different guests every time as well. Like it's yeah, different guests every week. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I'm just flicking through now. It looks good. It
1: looks yeah, no, he's really good. So yeah, check that out. Um, be kind to yourself, everybody. I guess at Christmas, don't put too much pressure on. Spend it with your family and. And, like, I mean, I never did take my running for granted, but, yeah, I guess just enjoy it. If you're out there running, um, just enjoy the moment. Enjoy enjoying being fit and healthy. And for those of us who are all injured, just understand that you'll get through it and there'll be other things you can do as well and just embrace those. So,
2: Yeah, I think you've said that really well because I think sometimes we take things for granted and when we're hitting... Eight out of ten training sessions, we want to be hitting nine or ten out of ten training sessions, and you got to remember that there's people out there who are, are on the couch or in recovery, wishing they were just out there jogging.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yep.
2: Beautiful, mate. Let people know your handles again. We do it every time, but some people maybe tune in for the first time with Andy Allison.
1: Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, at the Edge Runner on Instagram, so I post more stories and actual um, than actual photos. So uh, if you want to see what I'm up to, that's a good one there. Won't be seeing much on Strava unless you like yoga and really slow bike rides, but you can check me out, Andy Allison on Strava. And yeah, if you want to hit me up on Messenger, heaps of people do that, which I really love. That's I love being able to give back a little bit and talk to people. So that's just Andy Allison, A W O I S O N. So yeah, if you want to talk about something, yeah, happy to answer messages um, in Messenger as well.
2: Full of wisdom, this guy. Get on to him. Thanks for coming on, <laughs> mate. It's, uh, I wasn't sure if you would have been keen. I was just like, you know, it's all good when things are going good with people and everyone's happy to talk about life when you know they are ticking the boxes and going well but yeah i think it was important to to share the good and the bad and the highs and the lows throughout the year and i reckon we've done a pretty good job of that in the three podcasts yeah, we've, we've done this it. year
1: absolutely we've had some good and we've had some bad but that's reality isn't it we're not always up you know and that's so. what that book
2: talks about like you've got to have struggle you've got to have things like not going well for yourself so you can learn and go back and put things into perspective and try harder
1: yeah, far out of and If I get through this, I'm just going to really embrace being able to run again if I can get back next year. But, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll keep you posted. I'll know more in a in about a month's time.
2: They were talking about that. Oh, I don't know who was talking about it. I read it somewhere. But, um, you know, they always have that debate about should we give kids participation medals or, like, trophies for coming last and all those kind of things. And it's just, yep. yeah, it's, it's a big one and um yeah you see it in schools all the time like i don't know don't give the kids stuff if they're not good at it because yeah you want them to struggle and want them to find it difficult so they go hard and work at it and come back and then get the trophy they deserve
1: that's right yep
2: i'm with you thanks andy done it again
1: pleasure mate good luck saturday really really looking forward to seeing a, a positive result from you i'm sure you'll you'll run well and good luck to um to the big moose as well.
2: The big moose, yeah. He, he's playing it down. I reckon he's better shaped than what he's letting people know of. Oh, his travel is impressive. 100%. He's, done a lot of, 100%. he's done a lot of circle work, which makes me worried. Like he has been good on the track.
1: He has been smashing the track, hasn't he? he? on the track.
2: And the track's hard. Like I, yeah, I hate the track. I've got to get on there more. I've got to get soccer players off there so I can actually get on there. <laughs> so I went there today and the guy was mowing it. I'm like, far out. It's like eleven o'clock on a like Thursday. I thought I was, thought I was hitting nah, this, I'm but lucky. he did get off there. I warmed up and come back and he just gave me a wave. Tell me how you
1: were.
2: Yeah, I don't know what he was thinking. Like, gave me a wave and so like half the over was mowed. So like you hit the hundred meter line and then it wasn't mowed. It was like doing cross country. It was a good preparation for the real track on, on Thursday on oh, Saturday night.
1: Yeah, really looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, it should be good. Hopefully the stream's good. I think it will be. They've been doing a good job, those guys.
1: Yeah, no, it should be good, yep.
2: All right mate, good talking to you again. Have a good Christmas.
1: Yeah, you too, mate. All the best.
2: See you afterwards. Thanks, mate.
1: Thanks, Brady. See you.